Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kreil, joining me today, Jamie Durant, Andy Skinner and Sean Wallace. How are we guys? All good, I'm good thanks. thanks. I'm good, thanks. Me, personally, just before I hit record on this, I discovered that I'd lost my notes for the episode, so I had to go and find them. So it's been a bit of a stressful start, so the, the initial monologue is more rambly. How could it possibly be more rambly than usual? Then I apologise for that. We've got plenty to discuss. This week we had two midweek games last night um, in the Premiership. Aberdeen playing against Hearts at Tynecastle. Ended up going down to a 2-0 loss. Ross County meanwhile won 1-0 against Motherwell at Fir Park. We've also got Inverness to discuss. They're still on a pretty um, extended winless run in the Championship while... There's the lower leagues, uh, Cove, Peterhead and Elgin City in the mix as well. Cove, of course, going out of the Challenge Cup semi-final stage on Tuesday night. But yes, first of all, let's start, as we always do, with the Dons, who keep setting records this season. Well, they're on the cusp of another one at the moment. They've only ever had one 10-game winless run this season. They've done that seven times, including this season. And if they manage another one uh, at Ibrox on Saturday, it'll be the only time in their history they've ever had two 10-game winless runs in the same season. But I think already it's the longest inter-calendar year. What's the date at the moment? March 3rd. March 3rd's the longest, I think, they've ever went in a calendar year without winning a game. Sean? And we'll remember this season forever, I suppose. Yeah, we will, but I wouldn't want to. (laughs) It's been a, a brutal, grim season. Especially for, for people that have made the trek to away games. I mean, it's just been absolutely atrocious all season on the road. And Aberdeen, I mean, to go so long without a win. I mean, they haven't, <coughs> they haven't won in the Premiership this year. And I can't see that ending at Ibrox on Saturday. There was absolutely nothing at Tynecastle last night that made me think, oh, this team can go to Ibrox and sort of shock Rangers who have yet to lose at home in the league this season. So the signs are not good. Uh, I mean, I was sitting there at Tynecastle last night and from the first minute onwards, just thinking this Aberdeen team just don't look up for this game at all. And I'm sure Jim Goodwin, if he had any doubts of the size of the job that he is facing since coming in to replace Stephen Glass, it will have been hammered home in Edinburgh last night. Yeah, it just wasn't good enough. They were second best in all departments. That was my, that was what struck me. I mean, the situation they're in at the moment, I know you're expecting that new manager bounce, but just how they started, they were totally on the back foot. That The way the midfield was functioning in the opening few minutes, the amount of times that you know they were waiting for a pass to come to them and somebody like Barry Mackay was nipping in front of Conor Barron or Scott Brown or whoever and nicking it away from them that's never a good sign and I mean at times last night I actually did feel I know we've bemoaned the defence this season for the mistakes they've been making but I actually felt sorry at times for the defence because it was just the, the players in front of them weren't giving them <laughs> giving them a chance yeah. at all um, the one that I obviously noted um, in the notes for this was a chance that didn't end up in a goal but when Liam Boyce went clean through on goal and it was just the the way it all unfolded with 
Gallagher, for some reason, I think Ojo was having a bit of a sort of shaky time early on at right back, where, to be fair, probably isn't his best position. Declan Gallagher gets pulled across to right back, just ball watching, I suppose. And then there's just this pass that's, you know, played about 30 yards right into the sort of like basically the edge of the six yard box with, you know, as as Boyce runs through away from Scott Brown, who was, yeah, Scott Brown was pretty off it at Tynecastle, it would be safe to say. Um, that chance doesn't lead to a goal, but then, I mean, although Aberdeen did sort of, I suppose they found their feet a little bit in the game, but it was always coming, wasn't it? The, the heart's opener. Yeah, well, I just felt that, I mean, Gallagher and Bates did reasonably well for periods in the game and they both came in with with decent challenges but they were left like woefully exposed by the midfield they just didn't have any bite and when it came down to I mean it was to me it was just a matter of time before Hearts scored because I mean Gallagher and Bates and Hayes were putting in like Laskar's challenges and it's, it was just inevitable that Hearts, Hearts would score and I mean you, you talk about the, the chance with Boyce. I mean, I think if he had played as the out-and-out striker and not in a, a number 10 though, there was two great chances that fell to, uh, I think, Sims. And if that had been Boyce, he would have buried them. So it would have been a far heavier defeat for Aberdeen, I fear. Yeah, I mean, the most surprising thing about the first half, I suppose, it was Aberdeen had the ball in the back of the net through Declan Gallagher, which now having watched it about 10 times, I don't actually understand why Steve McLean chalked that goal off. Declan Gallagher hasn't really done anything wrong. I don't know who the hearts. I think it was maybe Sims as well, uh, defending his own box from the free kick. And Gallagher, you know, puts a sort of, you know, his arms touching him as he kind of like rises to head the ball. But I don't, I don't think he's really putting any. He's, he's not holding Sims down. He's not really, you know, I, I don't think he's really breaking the rules. Um, and I mean, given the way Aberdeen were starting to come in the game a little bit at that point and having been under the caution, survived somehow really early in the game. I mean, that might have changed things if they'd got that goal, got themselves in front. I mean, the dynamic would have changed. There'd maybe have been a bit of like, you know, a bit more... Hearts would have had to, you know, not that they weren't on the front foot, but they would have had to be even more on the front foot to chase that equaliser. But obviously, it wasn't to be um, Scott Brown not to pick on him again to sort of field attempts at clearing from another free kick and eventually John Souter, despite being a centre-back, reduces a pretty, pretty impressive volley into the far top corner I think it did take a deflection to be fair um, but just just on Brown Sean like I've seen a lot on social media from fans and stuff obviously Stephen Glass leaving he was a coach under Stephen Glass as well it's understood he's not going to be a coach anymore he's just going to be a player for at least the rest of this season are we seeing the sort of final the final months of Brown's playing career do you think I don't think we're seeing the final months of Brown's playing career but we may be seeing the final months of his career at Aberdeen yes yeah, I mean, he, he's he been off it for like uh, the last few games. I mean, I know he's been out as well, but I don't think he's been near the, the levels you know, since the turn of the year that he had in the first half of the season. I, I mean, the first half of the campaign, I thought he was an exceptional signing, but he's just sort of fallen off that level and he, hasn't, he, he doesn't have the same sort of command of midfield that he previously did. I mean, there's no doubt in Scott Brown's commitment, his desire and his drive and his will to win for Aberdeen. But I just think he's maybe struggling with fitness and that could be an issue. 
And when when you talk about the Aberdeen disallowed goal, I mean, I, I, last night at the game, I thought it was it should have stood, and then I watched it again this morning, and I'm even more baffled as to why Stephen McQueen chalked that off. I mean, what was the make no bones about Aberdeen didn't deserve to go ahead at any point in that game. Yeah, and if it, it, but I mean Gallagher, he, he, he lightly puts his hand on on him. And there was no foul, and the goal should have stood. But but, but yet again, Aberdeen made very little sort of complaints to McLean when it was chalked off. I mean, like they just sort of shook their head and ran away, which to me was just like symptomatic of the whole night. There was no aggression, fight, or just like bite. bite. And they should have been fighting to get that goal and argue their corner. But no, it was just like, no, okay, and just move on. I suppose you saw that as well, didn't you? With the with the second goal, it's another, you know, the guy jumped from a, I think it was a corner. The guy, it was Ramirez who was closest to Kingsley and Gallagher, as well. But but they both about jumped, and it's kind of like it just it just all feels very soft and sort of very, I don't want to say disinterested or something, but you know, like just like as you said, like a lack of aggression. As Jim Goodwin said after the game. Hearts, like I think the first thing he said on on sports scene was Hearts were everything in that game that Aberdeen need to be, and I, at a basic level, you take that as like just just wanting it a bit more, you know, like you don't, he's not necessarily saying there that he wants Aberdeen to play like Hearts or whatever, but just front foot approach, like like asking teams questions, and they didn't really didn't really do that. I can't remember apart from the Gallagher. Goal that didn't stand, and the Ferguson penalty that should never have been a penalty, to be honest, because he went down about two steps after there was a tiny nick on him in the box. And I think the fact that Craig Gordon saved it was probably justice done. And the fact that, you know, Hearts get their 2 0 win based on how the game panned out again, probably justice justice done. Um, Jamie, did you have your hand up earlier on to, to speak? Yeah, it was just it was just something I was going to ask Sean. As I read um, a fan view this morning from from Chris Crichton, and his point was that um, Jim Goodwin can take kind of little responsibility for these kind of recent performances, but what it does do, it gives him kind of greater um, kind of credence to go to the board and say, "Look, we need to make changes in the summer. We need kind of reinforcements." Is that something that you'd agree with, Sean? That these kind of performances it it strengthens the manager's case to go and say, "Look, we need to make." huge improvements to this squad. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's clear that a major rebuild is acquired in the summer. Yeah, and if Jim Goodwin was to, came in and orchestrated like a remarkable revival, then it would just paper over the craps, cracks of what has been glaringly obvious all season. And even if he was somehow to get Aberdeen into the top six and then secure a European slot, then yet again, that would just be putting a stick in plaster over what was effectively a gaping wound that has been there for a couple of years. I mean, Aberdeen have not been good enough. So maybe if they do miss out, and even it would be a, a very, very tough one for Aberdeen fans to stomach, but if they miss out in top six and in Europe, then it, Jim Goodwin will be able to go to the board and say, look, this is where we're at. We need to strengthen severely and strongly in the summer and you need to give me the backing to do this because this squad is just not good enough at the moment. I mean, he's not a miracle worker. He needs to bring in his own men. Dons are now 10th in the table. Obviously, 
I, I still think there's very little chance of the point swing required for I think St Johnston's still in Dundee, obviously at the bottom to to overhaul the Dons. I, I just don't see that happening. So I don't see there really being a realistic chance of relegation. Um, but on that trying to get in the top six thing, obviously it's Rangers at Ibrox on Saturday. How are we feeling for that one? It doesn't seem like a game where the turnaround is likely to begin. Are we going to get our um, two times ten game winless runs this season? I hope not, but <laughs> yeah, I think we will <laughs> see that record again. I mean, Rangers are so strong at Ibrox and Aberdeen so weak on the road. When you when you put those two, two together, it just seems a perfect storm for Aberdeen to drop more points. I hope I'm wrong, but I just can't see it. Yeah. All right. Well, we shall see. Obviously, other news this week was that Andy Considine is getting a, a new deal, which I, I think for a lot of fans would have been a, a chink of light um, in this dark, dark period. But we'll move on. Ross County up next. They got what was a brilliant, resilient win at Fir Park last night. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, Andy, this one, uh, Malky Mackay afterwards was very much uh, talking about how at the start of both halves, County had to win that sort of physical battle as you do against Motherwell. Um, hammer throwers, Motherwell, joking, Motherwell fans, don't write to me, please. Um, but they done that, they got themselves, they got their noses in front and although it was a kind of nip-tuck affair, I mean, managers love that, don't they? They love winning a game like that. You know, you get in front, you show defensive solidity, you know, you hold out and it's it's ultimately a really big three points for County because they're now on the cusp of the top six and it's starting to look more and more realistic with every passing game. Yeah, I mean, you can never get enough of these 1-0 victories. Uh, there's a lot of managers out there that would snap your hand off for, for one of them just now. Um, so, you know, to to get that win, um, the way they did it as well, as you say, it was a, a, a really uh, impressive defensive performance. The, the two centre-halves, Alex Iacoviti and Jack Baldwin, were outstanding. They, they needed a, a good performance from Ross Laidlaw in goals as well. But... Um, you know, considering how long it had been since County have kept a clean sheet, that was their first one since December the 1st. So they stood up to what came at them after they took the lead early on through Joe Hungbo's penalty. And it, yeah, just continues that, that momentum that they've nicely built up. Um, there's a lot of teams in that pack that don't have much momentum just now. Uh, but County are now, you know, off the back of their first uh, back-to-back victories of the season they're now um, looking quite optimistically at the uh, the prospects of potentially making a late push for that top six. I know the penalty, it was very much a case of the foul was committed outside the box but then continued into the box and therefore was a penalty. That's what a Ross County fan would tell you. Joseph Hungbo took it, took it very well. Um, we've been talking so much about Regan Charles Cook 
in recent times that we maybe haven't uh, focused as much, although we have mentioned him, we haven't really talked about Hungo as much, but he's on a pretty good run. I think that's, what, three three goals in four games, is it, for Hungo? Three goals in his last uh, four starts. Four starts. Um, he came, came off the bench at Easter Road, um, uh, and and the last four games that he's he started, he's uh, scored in three of them. So, no, it's it's a good a good record um, and a good time for him to come into goal scoring form because you know obviously he caught a lot of attention earlier in the season when he scored that wonderful free kick oh, down at Dundee. Don't me. <laughs> we, we can never get enough uh, you know excuse to mention that really. It's uh, it was just a, a sublime effort. Um, scored at Ibrox not long after that and and then kind of you, you know his goal scoring form dri- uh, dropped a wee bit after that but um he's he's still steadily contributed um he is uh, sitting i think sixth in the league for for assists uh, jordan white's well up there as well so although charles cook's been you know the man among the goals uh you know they've, they've got an attacking unit there that seems to complement each other well um and yeah, Hungbo's been a, a huge part of that. He's still a very young player. He's only 22, just turned 22 in, in January, and he didn't have much first-team experience prior to coming up to Dingwall. Um, the the other thing is he's still attached to an English Premier League club, so you know there is that that kind of intrigue as to how his career is going to go from here. Um, you, you know, I would. You know, you never know. I mean, County might try and get him back next season on another loan deal, but you know, there's every chance that he could maybe move to another English club next season and uh, and and take off from there. But uh, you know, there's certainly been moments of of real quality and real you know belief that you know he could go on and and really do something in his career. Um, certainly his, his dead balls for example have been a, a constant source of uh, danger for, for County all season and uh, as I say this goal scoring run that he's on is now you know, helping County to, to sort of turn draws into, into victories. For, for being such a, an organised manager, a manager that refocuses on the details we hear it all the time about his video sessions and stuff, it's nice to see Malky McKay's Ross County operating on the, the penalty strategy that if you win it, you get to take it. Um, given that I think Regan Charles Cook tends to take the pens normally, doesn't he? And then Hungbo presumably just you know, picked the ball up and was like, I'm having this one and that's, that's, yeah. that's all well and good if you're a, a Staggies player. Absolutely. Charles Cook missed his last one, actually, uh, oh, down so at Dundee. So that's, but so that's then, the case, uh, <laughs> One uh, but miss, then right? he, he, he atoned for it by getting the winner later on in that game. But no, County are in a, a great position now. Um, you know, we spoke last week about, you know, the consistency that they've shown in just picking up points. Uh, you know, even you know, last week's conversation was on the back of a, a loss at Easter Road and Anytime they have lost a game, they've never allowed that to fester and become some sort of rut. They've they've managed to steadily kind of get themselves back on track. They probably haven't won enough games over the course of the season. They would would have liked to have won more, um, and that's probably why they've stayed in tenth place for so long. But you know, you see it now. They've won back to back games, and and they're up to eighth. Uh, they're they're steadily building something there, and you know, as I say, at a time in the season when a lot of teams don't appear to have much momentum. You look at St Mirren that have kind of lost two on the back of losing their manager and, you know, you've already mentioned Aberdeen's struggles to, to get any sort of winning rhythm going. Um, 
you know, County have got a difficult run coming before the split. Um, they've got St Mirren in a huge game on, on Saturday, then Celtic, Hearts and Aberdeen. But, uh, you know, they're certainly going into that sort of spell of games in just about as good as uh, a mind frame as, as you could wish for at this stage. Good. That caker at the end against Aberdeen to look forward to. Anyway, Inverness next up. Uh, they're now in a 10-game winless run of their own. They're, they're doing one better than Aberdeen in terms of failing to pick up three points of an afternoon or evening. It's four losses and six draws in that period. They're last out in a 1-1 draw against Hamilton. I mean, <laughs> they've been helped in Vernes, haven't they, by the fact that Wraith Rovers are in exactly the same position and that they can't buy a win either. But they've now got Partick, who they play on Friday, breathing down their necks pretty hard. Inverness, I think that would that possibly drop them out of the playoffs, or would it drop them into fourth? Would it be fifth or fourth? Um, but they're still ahead of Wraith Rovers, aye. So it would kind of depend on, yeah. on what uh, what Wraith do but on the, mood, the Saturday. The mood, as we discussed beforehand, the, the mood isn't great around Inverness at the moment, is it? What What are the fans feeling first of all just now? Very much frustration. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're seeing. Maybe at times what Billy Dodds is is seeing to, uh, you know, to to try and stay optimistic in in this search for a, a win because it's ten games. That's pretty much the whole league that they've they've faced in that period. And I mean, I've I've not been at many of them recently, but you know, I was told that the Hamilton game was quite similar to to how a lot of the performances have been recently. Um, and Billy Dodds has remained very upbeat and believing in his squad, but. I mean, I suppose this is his his team that he's assembled, and you know he's now in a position where he's banking on them to to end this run for, for you know for everyone's sake at the club. It, yeah, it does seem remarkable that they're still in third. Um, it's it's been such a such a strange league this season, where where no team really has taken the uh, you know the initiative to to really stretch away in those playoff places and. Um, you know the Hamilton game did offer, you know, a good bit of goal-scoring threat. They had chances in the the second half when the game opened up, but you know they survived a couple of hairy moments as well. So it's one that could quite easily have gone, uh, you know, against them as much as it could have gone for them. Um, coming into a, you know, an important stretch now, where obviously Partick Thistle on Friday is then followed by by games against uh, Arbroath and Wraith Rovers all teams that are around them in the table so you know if there is going to be a time that they you know end this wait for a victory then now would be a pretty good time to to do it it's just you know a matter of whether the fans believe it it is going to happen at this crucial stage of the season it's a make or break as i say do you what if you were you know you were giving your personal take on it you're nailing your colors to mass do you think they're gonna they're going to turn it around because, as you say, every interview you read, it's all about the taking the positives. Billy Dodd saying that he's seeing in every draw or loss, he's seeing the ingredients there that are going to very soon, you know, start producing wins. And it's the same with the players. It's you know, you know, we come at that game every time. How how, how did we not win it? There's plenty there that gives us the confidence we can go on a winning run very soon. But like, you know, we've been saying this for for what a couple of months now. 
three months, something like that. Um, the struggles have been on the go for a long time. Do you, do you think? Do you think there is this sort of final charge from Inverness coming, or is it gonna? Is it going to go on like this until the, the campaign's finished? I, I think they will win games. Um, I don't think they'll win enough to to really challenge for the title. Um, so I think the the main focus will probably come down to, to trying to secure a good playoff finish. And by that, I mean second probably, because uh, you know, finishing fourth, even third, makes it very difficult to actually go up, yeah. um, just given the number of games that you've got to play. So, I mean, they might try and, you know, lay down a marker in some of these games coming up, um, but they might, you know, there's every chance they, they could run out of time. They've they've got some players coming back from injury. Um, Danny Devine started last week, and he's been a big miss, actually, in the, the heart of defence. Um, Aaron Doran's kind of back in the frame now, and of the, the January signings that, that came in, I, I thought both Sam Pearson, who scored, and Austin Samuels actually showed up quite encouragingly. Um, at times, lacking the the end product that they need, but you know, with guys that have kind of freshly come in, you know, it was quite good to see them, you know, at the heart of the attacking play and and looking like they might make things happen. Um, I think they they just need to try and you know provide better service for for Billy McKay, who will get goals if. Chances, uh, you know, fall to him, but um, that time is of the essence, as you say. Time is of the essence. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. They've, they've got a bit of a rugged pitch to, to go and tough one out on Friday. So uh, that's a different kind of challenge for them to, to stand up to. Yeah, but maybe their good record against Park this season will continue. Um, okay, otherwise, you know, if they lose, the Jags go ahead of them. Uh, let's move on, though finish this week's episode of Northern Goal with a little discussion about Cove, Peterhead and Andy's apology over the things he said in the past about Elgin City. Okay, Jamie, let's start with Cove then. Another draw uh, at the weekend there against Aloha 2-2, I believe. Um, I think four, four draws in five from Cove now, I believe, which is, you know, it's less... Um, it's less of a point avalanche as we've had from Cove earlier parts of the season they then followed up by disappointingly going out in the semi-final stage of the Challenge Cup at home to Queen of the South a team they'd knocked out the Scottish Cup earlier this season that was in midweek that Challenge Cup clash go a goal down pretty early on just seconds into the game and then try as they might just couldn't get back onto level terms how we feel? How are we feeling about the Challenge Cup exit? First of all, because obviously it is both a f- potentially it could have been a first national final for Cove since going up since coming up in, into the SPFL first national final ever. But uh, we'd also have been a distraction, I suppose, away from the number one goal, which is winning League One and getting up to the championship. I think the overwhelming feeling after the game was one of it being a missed opportunity because they'd played well, they had everything kind of going in their favour almost because they'd beaten Queens already this season and. They have such an imperious record on home soil um, and they'd got this far. You can't help but start thinking about getting to a final um, and with it only being one extra game, I don't know if it would have been a distraction for them because it would have come, I think, maybe three or four games before the end of the season and maybe you go and win that, you win a trophy, it gives you the little bit of the kick to get over the line. Um, I don't think there was too much wrong 
in a performance. It was maybe it was just a kind of the final. For me, it was kind of the final touch, the final ball in and around the penalty area because they dominated large swathes of the game. Um, after the first goal went in, um, I think Queens maybe had a couple of other chances. I think Josh Todd went on a run and shot straight at Kyle Gurley, and I think Ali Roy had a header over the bar. But the rest of that, the rest of the time, I think it was it was all Cove. Um, Josh Ray and the Queens goal made a string of important saves to keep them at bay. Um, and it wasn't really until Cove started really opening up in the last 10-15 minutes that then Queens were getting a few opportunities on the counter to, to maybe try and add a, add a second goal. Um, it's, it was maybe one after the game that it, would, it, was too, it was too soon to take too many positives from. But what they've got now is they're into the final quarter of games in League One. It's the last... It's the last time they're going to play everybody. It's the home stretch. You just kind of empty the tank now over the next, um, over the next kind of nine nine weeks. And from from what I can recall, I don't think they've got any midweek games left as well. So it's just Saturday to Saturday every week. You shouldn't have to worry too much about this the strains on the squad. Um, so it's, it's just a case of giving everything they've got now until until the end of the season. Yeah, get it over the line. I suppose it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint as well the reason for the the recent draw is given that. You know, some games Paul Hartley has talked about that lack of, you know, this is a very it's a final pass, it's the finish that's been lacking. But then other games, you know, they've scored two, but they've conceded two, and it's hard to sort of, you know, it's hard to put your finger on one reason why these things are happening. But I suppose at this point of the season, it's just about closing it out by any means necessary, and maybe one point every second week isn't the isn't the worst thing in the world in that regard. Peter Head, the Play Cove on Saturday, and um, following it was a four-three win at home to Dumbarton. Were you at that one? I believe. Yes, last I was. They got beat two-one by Queens Park in midweek um, away from home. But let's talk about the win over Dumbarton because I suppose for Peterhead as well, one win every couple of weeks looks like it'll get them to where they want to be, which is solidly placed in League One next season. How 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 insane was the Dumbarton game? Well, uh, if you want, if you want me to throw out the old. Uh the old adage of game of two halves, which I think is probably what you were expecting me to do. Um, well, yeah, it was a game that had everything. <laughs> well, it, well, it was that as well. Um, when when this Peter Head got 2-0 up in eight minutes, you're thinking, Christ, this could be this could be anything. This could be five or six. Um, and then the 3-0 up at half-time with a man advantage, you're thinking, right, well, this is this is, uh, this is done and dusted. Dishes washed and up the roads, as they say. Um, and then uh, Dumbarton score early in the in the second half, and then they get a second goal, and you think, oh, are they going to are they going to throw this away here? Um, Peterhead go four two in front, and Dumbarton get a second man sent off, and you think, right, surely that's <laughs> that, that's game over. And then ninetieth minute comes, and they score from another corner uh, to make it four three. Um, by that point, particularly as a as a journalist, you kind of you just want the final whistle to come. You've got everything yes. written in a way. You don't want you don't want any any more rewrites to change the narrative of the story. Um, and the the kind of the message coming out from from the team afterwards was that the first half performance was overshadowed by the way things collapsed in the second half. And Jim McAnally made that clear that they couldn't afford they couldn't afford kind of performances like that. It was a win. It it was the first in nine games, I think. Um, and it did kind of lift them briefly away from trouble, but they're still mired in there. There's, there's themselves, Dumbarton and Alloa, who are kind of all scrapping to avoid that relegation playoff. I think East Fife are going to struggle to get off the bottom before the end of the season. I think they will go down automatically. 
but then there's these teams, these the three of them that are probably just scrapping to not be involved in the playoffs with the League Two clubs. Um, Tuesday night they were undone by failure to to start both halves. Really, the the two Queens Park goals that came in the first and forty sixth minute. <laughs> so the concentration levels are obviously not there at the start of the game to or the start of the game and the start of the second half to to kind of kind of shut up shop really. Um, the Elginitis, pitch. as you. you <laughs> I, will, I cannot possibly comment on that. Um, but I mean, the pitch plays into it. Jim criticised it afterwards, and I think everyone within Scottish football, or certainly people who've got an interest in the lower leagues, are seeing that that fur hill pitch at the minute is not fit for purpose. It's trying to play host to Queens Park and Partick Thistle. Um, it's been used every other week, sometimes during midweek, as we've obviously seen, and it's not getting any rest. It's not getting. Um, a chance to to recover really, and it's not going to be conducive to to any sort of kind of like good foot, good quality football. Um, I spoke to Jim this morning before I came on, uh, before I came on here, and um, he'd said that the the Queens Park kind of guys have been saying that they'd had to adapt the way they were playing because of the pitch that they that they're playing on at the minute, which is it's not really what you want to be doing, sacrificing your own principles because you can't account for the quality of surface you're going to be you're going to be using um and um i'm sure i'm sure andy will see that uh, tomorrow night when he goes down to to Firhill and uh, what kind of game partick and, and inverness serve up on that for hill for thrills they say but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be more for spills i think on uh, <laughs> on friday yeah. night um yeah. but i mean the derby for peterhead on saturday it, it, well it, it takes on a it takes on a new meaning for both clubs really because cove Coveneden wins to, to kind of stretch their advantage or at least maintain their advantage at the top of the table, whereas Peterhead are needing to get clear of, of danger. Um and the last game at the last game at the Balmoral Stadium, Peterhead were completely outplayed and it could have been more than three 0 in Cove's favour. Um the games up at Balmoral have been a bit tighter, but um it was probably their worst perform Peterhead's worst performance of the season came against Cove and um, Jim, I remember Jim saying that day that they got off lightly. It was a good result for them getting beat three 0 because they were that bad um, that day. So there is a there is a need to there is a need to get points on the board quickly because say so the longer this this kind of goes on and the more the kind of the longer you you stuck around that bottom end of the of the table, it soon becomes it soon be, it soon becomes nervy and you don't want to get dragged into those playoffs when you're already lacking confidence because uh, we've seen before when I think when Peterhead went down last time they got involved in the the playoffs and got uh, scudded by Forfer and that was uh, that was all she wrote Right Andy the final team of this week's episode of Goal Elgin City 3-1 win against Sterling Albion at the weekend and as a result they've gone from looking like that well I was obviously on holiday for a week but before before I went off, we were remarking on how Cowdenbeath were catching them and Elgin were going to go down and or have to contest the playoff with the either Highland League or Lone League champions. But now I think they're sitting seventh in the table. Um, they're Cowdenbeath still have two games in hand on them, but they're nine points clear of them. Cowdenbeath played one of their games in hands and 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 lost it. And with that win, Elgin, it looks a lot healthier now. Um, so I'm going to offer you this chance to take back what you said against uh, about Elgin two weeks ago 
Oh, it was a it was a team effort, uh, <laughs> but no, I have to I have to assure you. In your absence, the conversation didn't get much cheerier last Look. week. Uh, the um, I, I mean, the need for for a victory in this one was huge, um, and you know everyone, Gavin Price to the players, all all knew as much. Um, what it did do was offer them the chance, as you say, to to leapfrog not just Sterling Albion but Albion Rovers as well by um, by claiming that victory and. You know the teams below them do still have games in hand, but you know it just offers them that that breathing space that they were needing. Um, you, you know, just as their form was spiralling um, out of control. Um, you know they've they've now kind of laid down a, a bit of a marker for this final stretch of the season. Uh, it's the final quarter. They've got a full round of fixtures to go, and um, you know they they've got that that comfort of knowing that five game losing streak is over now and it was a a good way to do it as well because they got themselves into a, a healthy two goal lead early on which kind of gave off the right message that they were really up for that game they they knew what was at stake and um you know they were in no mood to to kind of let that opportunity to to redeem themselves pass by so um you know later on in the game even though sterling albion went down to Ten men, um, you know they they pulled a goal back, and at that stage when you know confidence was low, um, it would have been you know maybe you know easy to see how Elgin could have you know squandered that winning position, but they they showed the kind of the mental strength required to to get a third goal and uh, ultimately make it a, a pleasing afternoon for for Gavin Price's side. So. No, it's it, it, it puts them back into that sort of pack of teams that are lodged yeah. in mid-table now. I, I think it will be too late for them to mount a, a charge up towards you know the the promotion playoff spots. But you know if you'd offered Gavin Price you know a comfortable mid-table finish away from the the threat of of relegation, uh, you know a scenario whereby they get to sort of early April and they don't have very much to play for I'm sure given you know how they were toiling in recent weeks he would have certainly taken that scenario uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago quite incredible really when you think about it that basically March and we were talking about them finishing very very bottom of the SPFL it all falling apart and then you know a month later we could depending how things go in the weeks to come we could be talking about um a comfortable mid-table finish where you just put your feet up for the last couple of games. Um, but maybe we're the catastrophists. Um, anyway, that's this week's Northern Goal. Thanks to Jamie, Andy and Sean for joining me today. Cheers, guys. No problem. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. As always, email any comments, queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. Like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And finally, enjoy the games, whichever games you're watching this weekend. Will it be 10 in a row for the dawn. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.